showtime, folks. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Saturday Matinee Theater, brought to you by your friends at the Longbox Crusade. This week, we have something special for you. Ooh, I'm so excited. It's our 60th episode. Oh, man. Woo. Who's excited? Woo. <laughs> me, me. I'm excited. Oh, that's good to hear, Dylan. All right. He's a little more yeah. subtle, but it's there. Yeah. This is smooth. with us. Yeah. Since this is the 60th episode of Saturday Matinee Theater, as we usually do at every 10th episode, we decide to take a quick break from our regular programming. But don't fret. Holmes and Watson or Batman and Robin will return back on track on our next episode. But this episode, we will be traveling back to 1945 to review The House of Fear. Don't you want him, Miss Alistair? We'll soon have him in jail before he can murder anyone else. Aye, you'll find him all right, like the others. A corpse. Something funny there. Look out, Watson! I'm your host, Pat Sampson, a.k.a. DJ Cristados, and joining me, as always, is the Nigel Bruce to my Basil Rathbone, Jared Albrick, the yard sale artist, a.k.a. Death Probe. How are you feeling today, Death Probe? I feel like I'm going to shoot everything. <laughs> <laughs> blam, blam, shoot oh, it all, oh. Pat, shoot it all. Let me turn on the lights so you can see. I don't need them. <laughs> I don't need the lights. How many, how many bullets do you got in that gun? <laughs> Enough to shoot everything. <laughs> Man, I got to watch out for you. Watch out for you. And joining me is our very own Inspector Lestrade, Delvin the Dark Web Williams. How are you today, Delvin? I'm good. And as an addendum to what Jared was doing, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't say, watch out for the hitman. Watch out. Watch out. I'm good. And we round out our usual crew with the only podcaster who is in a club called The Good Comrades, Jason, the Weasel Skull Albrecht. Watch out for the hitman. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) (laughs) Jason, how do you do it? How do you do it? Brilliant. Brilliant. Anyway, uh, before we get going, I think we uh, should... uh, not forget to drink our drink and raise a toast to our departed friends. So sure. Let's let's do that. Drink it down, throw it in the fire. Mm-hmm. And see if Laura will come clean it up. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> I can see I think, Laura, Laura coming in with that dour face. Yeah, I was just about to say. <laughs> I, think the, I think the housekeeper of this movie had the same amount of enthusiasm as Laurel does to be here. <laughs> what, you take uh, hold on. Hold on. Mayor Jane, what are you doing here? What what do you got, Mary Jane? 
What, oh, what's in that envelope? Baby, I got an envelope for you. Why are you giving it to Jason? I'm not giving it to Jason. This is going past Jason, going under your lap. No, it says right here. It's for Jason. No, don't try to lie. It says for Pat. You know it's for Pat. Well, okay. I guess I'll... I don't know. It's There's something in this drink. I got to go. I'll see you guys. No, it was really for Jason. It's $500. He won the sweepstakes. You could have $500, dummy. Now you get these five orange pips. All right. Well, before any of us open up these envelopes that are in front of us all to see who gets the pips, why don't we go and ask a quick question around everybody. What's your history with Rathbone Homes? And we'll start with Jason. To my knowledge, this is the first Rathbone Homes I've watched. So I've heard about it. I think it was one of my dad's favorites he's mentioned on several occasions, but I have not yet seen one until now. So first time. I'm going to just jump in too. And it is my first time seeing a Rathbone Homes as well. So I am interested to see what everybody else's take on it. Delvin? You know, with the addition of this movie, this is the ninth movie I've ever watched. So, yeah, this is the first time that I have had any exposure to uh, Basil Rathbone and Sherlock Holmes. But I know Jared's seen him. Right, Jared? But, of course, (laughs) I have (laughs) all the movies in the Rathbone Bruce series. I have seen them all, but let me not front the majority of which I've watched over the course of the last year. I was more familiar with they also did a radio show. Both with Rathbone and Bruce. Uh, oh, reprising their characters. And I listened to a fair amount of that when I was in high school. My local library had a several episodes on cassette, which I would put into my Walkman. Oh. And listen to at night as I was going to bed. Uh, but yeah, these are this is a really good series of films. I hope you guys enjoyed this one, but I'm sure we'll talk about it. All right. Thanks for giving me your Rathbone Holmes take. Let's go ahead and find out what we do here on Saturday Matinee Theater. So, Jared, take it away. You know, before I do that, Pat, I was just looking this stuff up on my cellular telephone, which I have replaced the Walkman with. Mm. I've stumbled across a website called www.oldradioworld.com, and if this site is to be believed, as I'm looking at it right now, it has 103 Rathbone Bruce Sherlock Holmes episodes on it. Ooh. And that's very exciting to me. I, I It looks like yeah. this is going to be quite a lot of fun. But I thought I'd put that out there to the listeners as well. www.oldradioworld.com. If you're like me and you're into it, let's check it out together. Let's get the same computer viruses together if that ends up being not a real <laughs> thing. <laughs> but anyways, Saturday Matinee Theater is a retro review, sometimes index show, brought to you by the Long Box Crusade. We'll be taking you back to the past. Some potentially overlooked retro awesomeness in the realm of television, movie serials, or films. Possibly websites that have old radio shows that might give you a virus. Basically, if it's vintage and it's kind of forgotten, we're going to dig it up. This time around, we're going to look at 1945 Sherlock Holmes' murder mystery, The House of Fear. But don't forget to check that seat for a needle before you sit down. Oh. <laughs> Well, before we go in, let me tell you guys why I chose this as our movie for the 60th. We are getting so close to being done with homes on our normal one. So I felt that 
I wanted to give the Rathbone a try. And Jarrett helped me pick one out, said this one was pretty good. So once we watch it, we'll find out on our ratings later on to see what everybody thought about it. But that's kind of the reasoning. And, you know, I'm kind of sad to see Holmes go. So I wanted to just give that one little hang on hug to him before it's all over with. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this one as well, too. And with that, why don't we get Delvin to give us a little credit information for this? Absolutely, Pat. Movie details. The movie is called The House of Fear with a release date of 16 March 1945. The director was Roy William Neal. The writer was Roy Chancellor. And it was after Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's story, The Adventure of the Five Orange Pips. Stars of the movie, Basil Rathbone as Sherlock Holmes. Nigel Bruce as Dr. John Watson. Aubrey Mather as Bruce Alistar. Dennis Hoey as Inspector Lestrade. I don't care how they said it in the movie. It's Lestrade. Paul Cavanaugh as Dr. Simon Merrival. Holmes Herbert as Alan Cosgrave. Harry Cording as Captain John Simpson. And Sally Shepard as Miss Monteith. As of this recording, October 2021, this film can be found for free on YouTube. We highly encourage you to watch this film before proceeding with this podcast because not only is it just more fun that way, but Jared is about to give a synopsis about the movie and we're going to discuss it. There are going to be some spoilers heading your way, y'all. So if you hadn't watched this film, we recommend you pause here, go check it out, come back to join our discussion. The film runs at about 69 minutes. So if you don't have that kind of time, we understand. You'll just have to trust us from here on in. Will we lie to you? Most certainly if they were funny. But anyway, for those of you who are watching along with us, we would love to hear your insights. Don't forget to comment about the show on Twitter using the hashtag SMTMovie. Pat? Hashtag SMTMovie. Jared? Hashtag SMTMovie. Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you. Jason? Hashtag uh, uh, SMT movie. <laughs> good. Jolly, jolly good, Jason. Jolly good. Hashtag SMT movie mates. And with that, let's turn it over to Jared for the episode summary. I'm not mistaken. I think I straight lifted this summary right off of my Plex server. They're nice enough to give little summaries when you put your movies into Plex. And I think I lifted it from there. So whoever wrote that, we appreciate it. Here we go. Seven rich men retire to a Scottish castle and promptly begin to die in violent fashion. Each death is preceded by the delivery of orange pips to the next target. As all the likely victims are heavily insured, Sherlock Holmes is asked by the insurance companies to investigate. Will Holmes solve the murders before he runs out of victims? Will Watson take any crap off of a suit of armor? And will Holmes and Watson 
make a detective out of Lestrade yet? Tune in to find out. Now let's go into some highs and lows about this movie. And let's begin with Jason. You got a high-low, or what the? Overall, I like the movie, but there is a low I got to get out of the way right up front. Okay. No disrespect to Dr. John Watson, but I did not like this portrayal. Me neither. Me neither. <laughs> I, I, I 100% say, yes. I, I, and maybe it's just because we're so used to our Watson from the show okay. that this one just seemed bumbling, incompetent, and just a buffoon. You know, and it's no disrespect to the actor. I'm sure he was playing it as he was directed to do, but I just didn't like it. That's all I'm going to say about that. I'm not going to dwell on it. I just got to get it out there and I'll throw some positive stuff up next time around and I will toss it to Jared. Well, I'm going to weigh in on that real quick. Anytime that I read about other Watsons, you know, be it from the Jeremy Bretts or I most recently watched the Sherlock Holmes movie with... Christopher Plummer. And I always read the IMDb trivia stuff when I'm watching those movies. And it's almost universal that whichever actor plays Watson always says, you know, in the behind the scenes trivia, I wanted to play it not like Nigel Bruce, (laughs) but where Watson is not a bumbling buffoon. It's the one version that pretty much all Watson actors look at and say, I don't want to do that in its defense. This whole series of films is meant to be lighthearted and fun, and he is the comedic relief of the entire series. And I get what you're saying, though, Jason, because we've seen comedic relief Watson in the 1954 TV series, and he doesn't have to be a buffoon to do that. So, yeah, they may have taken a a different route, a route that we don't appreciate as much. But I think after you see the 14 films, you kind of get a little more used to him and his ways. But, yeah, just wanted to kind of weigh in with that sort of perspective. Yeah, maybe you might be be right about that. I mean, I, I it's a very different taste after what we've been experiencing sure. so far. I think what really kind of galled me, though, is if you go back to the, even the source material, Watson is not a buffoon. Watson is a highly intelligent man. And that's what makes Sherlock Holmes so unique. You know, mm-hmm. as smart as Watson is, he's nothing compared to Holmes. I mean, with this Watson, I could be Holmes. I mean, you know, there's that that, that bar is really low to clear. It must be if you're thinking you can be so. (laughs) I'm just saying. (laughs) Well, let me ask you guys this. Has anybody read the Adventures of the Orange Pips? Mm -hmm. Yep. Is Watson portrayed like this in it no, no no this this movie is really loosely based on that story okay. by the way delvin you said have you read it too oh no you haven't no i haven't man but jared and jason you've read that yes yes okay i haven't read it i'm glad you brought that up jason to see how much of the source material did they actually pull into this one not a lot <laughs> not a lot still i mean the premise is still the same but that was just my main complaint coming out of the gate i've aired my grievance okay i'm good oh. with it 
Just, like, just to keep this discussion going before we can even get to this <laughs> to my turn. Yeah, it's usually your turn. <laughs> I want to ask uh, some folks, like, were you at least amused by him? I got a kick out of the part where he but, was like, they were like, we may have to stay up all night. He's like, you can count on me home to like smash cuts of him straight up. Well, that, to me, that was totally, uh, you know, the 54 yeah. right there. Yeah. I, I could see, I could see Watson doing that. Yeah. And I then mean, add to that, that earlier, like Holmes mentioned something about him snoring, is like, that's ridiculous. And then, <laughs> I forgot about that. And yeah. then, then and was sure enough, when he fell asleep, he was like, <laughs> so yeah, that was funny. That was a good bit. You know what I do like, as we're talking about Watson in this one, what I do like is how Holmes was playing off of him, or just he let Watson be our point of view, or be our... You know, everything Watson was saying, I'm like, oh, yeah, I think it is that person. Or, yeah, I can see their motive was this. Holmes kept asking Watson, kind of drawing out what he thought the murderer was or how they were doing it. And I'm like, I thought that was a good way to pull us in because that felt like I was saying kind of some of that stuff as I was watching along with it. Jared. Oh, we've been going a while. Yeah, let's get your highs, lows. And, and, we had and a lot to talk about with the Watson. You know what? I'll keep my high brief then. I'm going to be super generic. Just kind of give a high to the movie. Like, it doesn't overstay its welcome. 68, 69 minutes, something like Mm -hmm. that, like Delvin said. Well shot, well paced. Engaged me the whole way. I mean, it starts out with the dude getting a pip in like a fiery car crash. And like, it just goes from there. And I just stayed with it the whole way. So good pacing, good engagement, good humor, good story. And I'll just keep it that generic in round one. And I'll do something more specific around two. All right. Delvin. I thought it drug a little, but I didn't think it was bad. And I thought that at least the reveal at the end that none of them except one had passed away was a very good reveal that they kind of just faked it just to set that dude up and everything. So it was good. I I will admit it. And I promise you, I I stopped it at one point, you know, maybe I don't know. I didn't get my midday nap in or something. And like I watched like the last 20, 25 minutes. I absolutely could use a little bit of help on like how Holmes really came about solving the mystery. Usually I'm like pretty big on that, but like there are a couple of clues where Holmes was like, yes, and I got it. And I understand. And I was like, ah, you got duped. <laughs> I did. I did. I got duped and I, I will absolutely, I was Watson, I guess is what I'm saying here. <laughs> I, I would say I was all same. over the place. I was in the same boat with you where I was like, okay, I'm trying to follow this mystery along. And I'm like, to me, I thought it was very interesting. I'm like, yeah, what, what, what's happening here? And then I, well, I wanted to figure out, but I couldn't. I got duped as well, too. So does Jason, <laughs> Jared? I certainly have things to add, but if Jason wants to go, go ahead. The only thing that I will add is I think that Holmes started figuring it out when the one murder occurred with the, was it the tobacconist? I can't remember who it was that, um, the townsperson that they first met who made the point, you know, they didn't believe in ghosts. And so when he ended up dead, I think that's when it started to unravel in Sherlock's mind because he had seen somebody that he wasn't supposed to see. That's kind of the only clue I, I honed in on. So I think that was kind of the scene where Holmes started figuring it out. But I don't know if Jared has anything to add to that or not. Yeah, I can add to that. One of the reasons you don't get more of a classic Holmes Explains Everything ending Mm -hmm. is budget. 
they actually didn't want to pay all those actors to be on set for the entire time. So they actually filmed the last scene first because they had all the actors there. Okay. And then they started filming. And Hmm. as they die off in sequence, then that actor's done and they don't have to pay him anymore. (laughs) So they already had their ending film. So it was kind of what you're stuck with. And it's not bad. Like Jason said, this was actually going to be my high in round two, which started out as a low because it started out as a low because I'm like, how many people are going to die before home solves this thing like you are running yeah. out of victims yeah that's what i'm like, thinking too you're, I'm like Whoa. you're absolutely useless in this story and then the whole thing dupes me the viewer because it's like oh by the way nobody's dead does that help delvin yeah it does a little bit i'm slightly less duped i'm, I'm like 38 percent <laughs> less duped than i was when i started that's, yeah that's they had good. to they had to kill the guy in town because he had actually seen one of them well, and that's when, what I kind of figured that he either seen them on the beach when they were following the footsteps. Oh, wait, 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 wait. There was one other clue, too, that just popped into my head that I just remembered. The tobacco. The captain smoked that special brand of tobacco. It was the CBD. only tobacco that he smoked. And Watson actually opened it up and realized the tobacco was gone. Yep. And that was the, that was the final clue. That signaled to Holmes. The guy's still around. This cat's still alive. He took the tobacco with him. And was it the tattoo? The tattoo was actually, they were actually trying to dupe him with the tattoo because the body, you remember the bodies that they found. And of course they didn't show it, but they explained it, that it was just the torso. Mm -hmm. Limbs and head have been removed. So there were no identifying features. And the captain had actually tattooed the the same tattoo on the body of the dupe and they were basically grave robbing and then dismembering bodies. And he put the tattoo on there to make the police believe that it was him and that he was dead. I think Holmes might've made mention too, that the ink was still too fresh. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that, I think that was another clue that was brought up. Yeah. He did mention yeah, when he saw the it was a recent job, he was like, "Nah, you can't fool me. That ain't that ain't old dude." Yeah, yeah. So I think those were the big three clues. The dude that ended up getting murdered, the tobacco not being in the canister, and the tattoo being too fresh. Okay, dude, kudos to your level of detail. Yes, boy, maybe you are up there now. All right, well, let's go ahead and get into round two, and we'll mix it up a little. We'll give Jason a little break from talking, and we'll go to dark web, Delvin. You got something for round two, a high or a low? I like the character Alistair. Like he was all bright and chippy all the time. And I think, I think at one point, I mean, they glossed over it, but was was he putting a little bit of a nose candy up in Mm -hmm. the snorting a little snuff? (laughs) He was snorting some snuff. (laughs) I was like, Mary Jane, I think it was one of your ancestors here. (laughs) Like, no wonder he was happy all the time. He was amped. But I did think he was a delightful character, and he made me smile throughout. I didn't make it a point to remember a lot of the characters' names, and I remembered Alistair just simply because of what a bright spot he was to the movie in every scene. And I actually legitimately felt bad for him. He got put in handcuffs and he was like, I, it, was, it wasn't me, man. And even then they came back in the room and they were asking him for details and he could word for word quote everything that went on that he needed to. He was still being helpful and he was in handcuffs. You put me in handcuffs? I ain't saying nothing to anybody. Like, screw you. I'm mad. I didn't do it. Give me out these handcuffs. I think he played this character well, especially in the beginning, because as you try to figure out who's doing it. He's got that kind of creepy, sinister kind of a 
you know, he's because he's happy. He's like, yeah, ha, ha, come on. You know, that like, he might have done it. Like he might have like done Joker-ish. something or had some reason. Yeah. Some reasoning mm-hmm. behind it. I thought, Jared, do you have anything else? Who? You. Who? You. Who? You. Who? Everyone wants to have that discussion yeah, with Al. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, I guess I'll just give a shout out to the cinematography and how it was shot I, I love old black and white movies they were really on a tight budget i'll talk about that a bit more in the fun facts okay but overall i thought it was easy to follow the action it was easy to follow the dialogue so i think just well directed well shot nothing really confused me visually and i just thought it was a, a lot of fun i think it's a great movie to put on as we record this it's october 27th Mm-hmm. So I think this is a good Halloween time movie. Yeah. It's called House of Fear. It's got murders. It's in black and white. There's storms and, and windows being blown open. You know, it's it's just atmospheric. That's I took all that time to say it's an atmospheric yeah. film and I like it. I definitely agree with you. I think the cinematography of it, the atmosphere, the effects, man, that was a lot of rain coming down when they were outside. <laughs> I'm like, man, I don't want to go out in that weather. <laughs> it would not be fun at all. And just, ugh, I, I hate being wet and cold, rainy wet. Ugh, man. So I could definitely feel for those guys having to do that. Jason, do you have a high lower? Yeah, like I said, on my second round, I want to throw a high in there since I kind of came out of the gate with a bit of a negative. Overall, I was really impressed on the writing of the story. And I think just kind of spinning off what Jared said about the atmospherics, if you look at the the plot, it's basically a whodunit that's set in this Scottish mansion. And there's not a lot of room for them to move. And yet they somehow made the whole story interesting Mm -hmm. and it kept me engaged there are a couple times where they end up in town but for the most part the scenes are all filmed in this this mansion in this location and i was really kind of trying to piece the clues together and watch what was going on so they were able to do quite a lot with relatively little and i thought that that was really impressive great story overall great use of the production value i agree i'm just going to have one little point since we've watched a lot of the 1954 homes and Sherlock and Watson's characters grow like that, for this one, I really liked the chemistry that Nigel Bruce and Rathbone had together in this. I thought it came off really original or organic, and I really thought that they'd been kind of around together for quite a long time, how Holmes would play off of off of Watson. So I have to give it hats off to them on that. Yeah, no argument. I think Despite what I said about being a little jarred by the performance of Watson, I think that the chemistry felt real and felt organic and Mm -hmm. no disagreement for me. Does anybody have any other comments they want to add? I do. That set piece looked very similar to the set piece from the 1954 Sherlock Holmes, the the one that we just watched recently. I felt like we'd been there before. (laughs) And 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 even when they mentioned the trap door, I was like, wait a minute. I, did, oh, I kind of saw something that was very, very similar to this. What, Jared? Do you remember what it was? What the mystery was called? Mm, you guys got me racking my brain, and I can't remember off the top of my that head. That was the ghost lady. Mm-hmm. It was, it was the, the ghost, ghost lady. lady? Oh, yes. that was yeah. The yeah, Return yeah. of Sean. Yes, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> it was called the Case of the Haunted Gainsborough. It did, yeah. Now that you mention that, it seems we've had. Quite a few different ones that were in some sort of a castle-y kind of a manner like that. But very interesting. 
interesting sets all in all, I think. All right. Well, with that, why don't we get into some fun facts with Jared? Can do. Let's take some fun facts from this. Let's look at the series overall. The House of Fear was number 10 of the 14 Sherlock Holmes films that Rathbone and Bruce did. They produced 14 films from 1939 to 1946. For those of you keeping track at home, that is seven years. They did 14 films in seven years. Most of the time releasing two films every year. Okay, so it was a little easier to shoot films back then. But the first two films they did were by Fox, 20th Century Fox. And then... They let the whole Rathbone Bruce thing go, but Universal picked it up and produced the last 12. Universal had a lower budget than the Fox films did. And some people can notice that, but I'm going to be honest with you. I've watched them all and I couldn't really tell you. I think they get the most out of what they've got with the Universal films, the last 12. One thing that I was talking to Pat about when we selected these films is a handful of them, maybe half, maybe a little less than half, are directly attached to World War II. It's like, Holmes and Watson have to find the secret decoder machine to help defeat Germany. And they're all told in contemporary as in when they were made <laughs> time. Well, and I they, noticed like that scene we talked about with the car that went off the cliff. I thought, mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting that they actually have an automobile. Yeah. They're in all put movie. in for the most part, they're all put in the forties. And like I said, there's a handful of them that are directly tied to like world war two, almost like spy adventures and they always end with a sort of hurrah for england and boo to germany like they're very propaganda ish films they always end that way and while those films are good and they're enjoyable the rathbone bruce thing gets so much more enjoyable when they get away from that when they get back to like a true murder mystery and in fact one of the best ones i've ever seen is called sherlock holmes faces death and that's another really good one. I want to say that's the fifth one. And that one does a beautiful blend of having a little bit of World War II theme because he goes to basically a veteran's hospital and there's people dying there. It's kind of like this people are dying off and he's trying to figure out how and why. So it has a good blend of it. But long story short, the World War II ones where they really focus on the war, they're okay. When they get away from them, they're really, really good. All right. Fun fact, uh, I guess it's number three. We mentioned how much we like the castle and the shot of the grim old house perched high on the cliff of the west coast of Scotland was actually also used in Sherlock Holmes and the Voice of Terror from 1942. That was one of the World War II focused ones, by the way. The house in that shot could not possibly be the Alistair home because if you inspect it closely, you'll see the front of the house is in ruins. <laughs> so that establishing shot where they show you the castle, like if you yeah. actually stop and look at it, like it's a castle in ruins. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, and that actually played into the voice of terror. They actually met up at this old dilapidated castle near the end of the movie. But again, they were on a budget. So they're like, eh, nobody will notice. <laughs> we'll just use this. And this is one of my favorite little bits because I'm a universal monster movie kind of guy. Towards the end of the film, when Watson notices that the tobacco urn is empty, like Jason mentioned earlier, the wolf's head came from the Wolfman movie. 1941 can be seen leaning against the back wall. So that prop was clearly still on the lot. And I'm like, wow, that's like, that's like a horror icon item. Now it's just laying around. The set oh. back then. He gets a coin for that on eBay. Today. <laughs> yeah, <you> could. <laughs> and finally, this movie was released on a double bill with another Universal Monster classic, The Mummy's Curse from 1944. So when you went to see this in theaters, you were watching this and The Mummy's Curse, and that's a pretty good one-two punch. Sounds like a fun evening. Probably costs like, you know, 
eight cents. <laughs> yeah, probably did. Oh, you want popcorn? Twelve cents. But uh, with that, hey, big spender. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that, let's get it back to Pat. All right. Well, since we're talking about spending. Why don't we go ahead and rate this film on a scale of one to five orange pips? How many pips would you give it? Five, you loved it. Four, very good. Three, good. Two, just good. One, you didn't like it. It killed you. Let's find out how many pips you want to give it. We'll start with Jason. I'm going to give it four. There were some things that jolted me a little bit, as we talked about, but overall, it was a really good mystery, and it kept me enthralled all the way through. So, yeah, four sounds good for me. Jared. Man, I am struggling. If Joe November was here, mm-hmm. I'd go with 4.5, but because I have the whole picture and I've seen all 14 of them, I would say this is top tier. So I'm going to go with a five, uh, and j- probably just because I have a little bit more perspective on the whole series i think okay there's three or four that are fives and this is one of them for me delvin see i'm at the joe november but three to four scale and mm-hmm. i'll give it a four because i like the discussion that we had i definitely liked a little bit of the help on the mystery that somebody are a little bit more astute could have paid more attention to clearly don't give me no mysteries in real life (laughs) it's just not my strength but it was a good mystery and i did like the reveal when they finally found the trap door and they were all just sitting there (laughs) chilling and you thought that like what the heck i thought all these guys died in gruesome fashion and they didn't so that was very clever of sherlock holmes to figure that out and the camaraderie with sherlock holmes and watson was good to me it was kind of more like Yeah, I like my big dopey friend, but it was still a good camaraderie. So I'll give it a four. I think four is a good place to land. Very good. And just to make it interesting, I am throwing in a five with Jared because I really did love it. It gave a good mystery that even I was trying to figure out myself until the end. Like, what? And so then I had to kind of think back and figure it out again, in which it still took me until Jason explained a few more things to help me understand it all. But I really enjoyed it. I was pleasantly surprised on the chemistry between Rathbone and Nigel Bruce, and I really enjoyed it. So I want to go back and watch all the other movies now. That's how interested I am in this to go and see. So I'm glad Jarrett kind of brought it up at what year they started and how many they did. I want to go back and seek these things out. And if they're only an hour and nine minutes. Yeah, they all hover right around 70 minutes. It's not that big of a time to make. I don't know if you were listening earlier, but... So I think I I really enjoyed it. So I think what we need is the rest of the LBC listening audience to help us out here and let us know, is it a five? Is it a four? Or is it something else? We definitely want to hear your guys' thoughts and help us break this tiebreaker between two cool guys and two cool pips. And two... (laughs) chumps with the pips <laughs> and let us know if you're looking forward to our 14 part podcast miniseries that pat and i are going to do called sherlock holmes of the 40s yeah i would actually be interested in doing that that'd be kind of a fun little adventure to go on i think all right well with that let's go ahead and get to the feedback section of the show now it's time for our special shout outs to our crusader club members these are the fine folks that have joined our crusade they enjoy early access to special Lombox episodes voting on show programming, and so much more. So these are the folks reaping the benefits and giving some much appreciated support to the show. Thank you for being a friend. And Helica Wolf. Oh. Auburn Elvis. Bill Beer. 
Blast it or stash it. Braxton Underwood. Captain Entropy. Clinton Robinson. Dave Collins. Bedouin. Gary V. Gerald Green. Jason Albright. Uh, Jason Keen. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy L. Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman. I hope you like Jim Jarman too. Joe Thomas. John Watson. Jose Pollo. Josh Strickland. Kathy Bright. MVP. The Monstrous Mark Hatherley. Maxwell Traber. Michael Wagner. Miranda W. P.D. Devins. Paul Hicks. Rick from Jeff and Rick Present. Rob Morgan from, well, I don't know where Rob's from. Auburn. Rob Morgan from Auburn. Who are you? Ross Michaud. Ryan Daly. Samantha Maney. Sean Urbanski. Spidey67. Steve Cronin. Tim Price. Toronto Cop. And Brad Morin. If we missed anyone on our list, we apologize. Please keep in mind that we record these episodes well in advance of release. So if you're a recent addition, we should be adding you soon. But still, no worries. Just let us know that we missed you by sending an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com and we will get it straightened out. So you might be asking yourself, how do I become a Crusaders Club member? Pat. Yeah, Delvin. How do I become a Crusaders Club member? Well, Delvin, it, it's quite simple and won't cost you any pips. Nice. You just need nice. to. Yeah, I know. You just need to head on over to patreon.com and search for Longbox Crusade. For as little as $1 a month, you get all the access. I mean, all the access to the amazing world of the Crusaders Club. Come and check it out. Don't have any extra cash lying around? And but still want to support us here at LBC headquarters, please take a moment to write a review on iTunes or any of the podcast platforms out there. Even if you just want to keep it short and give us some star ratings, it'll help raise the profile of the show and we will share your review on the next show. You can also call us and leave a voicemail that we just might play on the show. Leave us a message at 707-532-5269. That's 707-532-LBOX. Now let's go ahead and get to some likes, shares, and retweets from the last movie review we did. And that was episode number 50. Wow. I still can't believe we're at 60. Woo. And that one was 1959's Alligator People from April 4th of 2020. Eat them up. Eat them up. I'll kick it off with Prairie Justice. We move on to Trekker Talk. Soundtrack Alley. Max Reads Comics. John from the MWC Podcasts. Doc Strange. Fan Film Fridays. Green Lantern HG. Chris at BTOM Bat Books. Boys, let us Because Jared loves it so much. <laughs> well done, Jason. Rossmus Show. Prof Frenzy. It's a, it's show. a show. Chris Lydon. Ivan Chudley. Asia Wolf. Oh. oh. <laughs> Got a couple wolves going on around here. <laughs> Darren Sutherland. Hell Jordan. Clinton Robinson. Last but certainly not least, Angelica Fetty Wolf. Oh. Oh. 
All right. Should I dive into this mailbag here? Absolutely. All right. I'm going to dive in here. And, you know, I'd be remiss if we didn't open it up to our uh, longtime uh, listener, Green Lantern HG. He says, great episode and congratulations on 50 episodes, guys. That was so 10 episodes ago. I see you brought out the big guns with Jerry. That we did. I must have been 10 when I watched this movie. It was a great performance all around. Don't remember much, but it was one that stuck with me because of the acting. Couldn't agree more. I think the acting was great. The sets were great. And it was a great story. We had a lot of fun with it. Yep. Miss you, GL. Hope you're good, dude. Yeah, GL. Absolutely. I'll take one from Prairie Justice. And they say, happy heftennial. Hmm. That was for the 50th. Mm Hmm. Thank you. I'll take one from Michael Bregger. He said, screenplay by Orville H. Hampton, be still my heart. I always love getting messages from Michael. He's a crack up and he likes this old stuff too. We can dig it. And last but certainly not least, Professor Frenzy, it's a show, says, I had every expectation to make fun of the alligator people, but it turns out it's a terrific movie. Also, it's a blast to talk with you guys. Yeah, man. Always good to talk with you, too, Professor Frenzy. Mm-hmm. You are a class yeah. act. And that was a fun show to record, and it was a good movie, too. It was always a good time talking with Jerry. Absolutely. He makes it a show. He does. He, he definitely made it a show. <laughs> Speaking about show, Jason, why don't you go ahead and close this one out? I know. I got to be the fun killer here, but that's it for this episode of Saturday Matinee Theater. If you'd like to hear more from us in the realm of comic books, action films, and more, check out the Longbox Crusade. Pat, where can they find that? Well, Jason, I am glad you asked. You can find the Longbox Crusade on iTunes, Google Play, and most podcatchers, or at www.longboxcrusade.com. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all at Longbox Crusade. You can find us on the YouTube with our live shows at Longbox Crusade. Or please remember to give us a call on our voicemail line at 707-532-LBOX or 707-532-5269. And if you want to hear us on our trek through all things James Bond, where we talk about films, books, comics, music, etc., you can check out on Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. Jared, where can they find that? Well, Jason, I'm glad you asked. It's on iTunes, Google Play, all your finer podcatchers. You can go to www.secretpodcast.podbean.com. On Twitter, we are at Happiest in the Saddle. (sighs) Chris, you've been messing with the script. No. Thanks, Chris. Okay, anyway, (laughs) his Twitter is at OHMSPod. And you know what? You can also call us there at 707-532-LBOX or 707-532-5269. Mary Jane is standing by. All right. If you'd like to chat with us online, we can be found at Pat Kickasaw. Well, Jason, I'm glad you asked. You can find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. Back to you, Jason. You can find me at Weasel Skull on Twitter or Jason Albrick on Facebook and Instagram. Delvin. You can find me on Twitter at D-E-E underscore R-A-Y 1977. Jared. I am at Yard Sale Artist. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, it's all at Yard Sale Artist. Or you can check out my wares at www.theyardsaleartist.com. Well, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next episode, where we'll return to 1943's Batman serial. Our next episode will feature Chapter 6, Poison Peril. The meetup location, Gotham City.